I'm so glad to live in a world where there are Octobers. L. M. Montgomery. to this week's edition of the America of America podcast. Uh, This week, this Monday, should be October 3rd, which means that we are now into the first Monday of October, which means that we are going to switch over to be doing uh, scary stories, ghost stories, legends. Uh, I want to throw a little bit of true crime in there, tall tales, folklore, whatever there is uh, in Oklahoma history and culture that should probably be told in October. This week, we are returning to my old, well, uh, so same with many people in this state, we're going to return to the old stomping grounds of Norman, Oklahoma, home of the University of Oklahoma, my alma mater, and the currently the topic of one of our podcast series on the 2006 Oklahoma football team, also currently home of the 2022 Oklahoma Sooners football team, which is, it's just a, it's just a headache. But we've got two stories out of Norman. One is going to be uh, The Haunting of 700 Elm Avenue, which was a uh, sorority house turned fraternity house turned uh, residence turned what is now on that spot is Zero Hall, if you have ever been to the University of Oklahoma campus. And our second story today is going to be about the Griffin Memorial Hospital in, uh, in Norman, which is a supposedly haunted or creepy uh, old mental hospital or psychiatry ward, um, which I believe is still in use, but has an interesting and a uh, bit dark history. And we are going to talk about both of those things. And with that, let's uh, make this short and sweet and we'll jump right in. So our first story today uh, pertains to hauntings or alleged hauntings back in the 1970s. Well, really before the 1970s, at what is now 700 Elm Avenue in Norman, Oklahoma, um, on essentially the campus of the University of Oklahoma. Um, I came across this story while I was trying to do research on Griffin Memorial Hospital, which is the uh, subject for the latter part of this episode, when I came across this story about 700 Elm, uh, when I saw a photograph on YouTube of that area, which looked very familiar to me because one... um, very recognizable architecture of the structure of the building in which these supposed hauntings took place. And secondly, because I could just tell that that was Elm Avenue after after walking um, down that intersection for probably hundreds of times in my life. So I clicked on it and I heard what I thought was a very fascinating, supposedly true ghost story of a place that I crossed a lot. And actually the, and I have been inside and taken a class and taken a couple exams and the building that now stands on that site. So to give credit where credit is due, I got most of, uh, if not all of my understanding of this story from a YouTube video posted by a gentleman named Brian Maybury, who was uh, posting a interview that an interview that he did with his father, John Maybury, who owned this property uh, at some time in the 1970s. 
uh, to develop it into rental units for students. This story is also available in the Campus Ghosts of Norman uh, book, which is authored by Jeff Provine. Uh, if you listen to the episodes from last October, you will know that I quote and cite frequently from Jeff Provine. He is the best uh, Oklahoma f- uh, folklorist, and he is really unmatched in that field, and I am very thankful to him and his writing. So to begin at the beginning, as Mark Reese says, uh, 700 Elm Avenue in the 1970s was a red brick structure that had a lot of that uh, fraternity and sorority structure that you would see if you walk across uh, the University of Oklahoma campus, specifically down Elm and Chautauqua, or if you've really seen that kind of collegiate fraternity sorority campus uh, architecture in any major Southern American State University. Um, The interview with uh, John Mayberry, who is uh, Ryan Mayberry's dad, uh, he says at one time he believed that it was the Chi Omega sorority house. Um, I I don't know. Um, I'm going off of what he thinks, but I think he definitely knows that at one time it was the Deke house, which is the the acronym for Delta Kappa Epsilon fraternity. I don't believe that fraternity exists any longer at OU, or at least it was not there when I was there from 2014 to 2018. So John Mayberry was at the time a successful real estate developer, and he bought this house in the 1970s with the intention to remodel it to make it into proper rental housing for students, which this would be actually an ideal location as it's located right, uh, just right west of the South Oval. So nearly immediately, um, when Mr. Mayberry bought the house, he was informed by the previous DKE or the Deke president that the house had some activity, some uh, paranormal activity, things that go bump in the night and things that are generally not able to be explained. So pretty quickly, Uh, Mr. Mayberry began noticing doors slamming uh, places in the building without anyone being there. If you remember earlier on when this was a fraternity house that was probably or sorority house that was probably filled with uh, college students, be they men or women, maybe a door slamming on a different floor might not be the biggest deal. It might show that maybe someone is upset, but not that there are necessarily ghosts. But when Mr. Mayberry is there by himself with no one else in the building, Doors slamming is something that is probably unnerving. As weeks turned into months, uh, Mr. Mayberry came to be able to even differentiate between the types of activity that were happening at at different places in the house. So the upper stories, for instance, would have more poltergeist activity, though in the basement, which the house had a full-size basement with uh, paneling and windows, uh, he began to notice that the more um, what he would call aggressive spirits lurked down there. Now you would think that such uh, that such a that such a problem in a home or that such a condition of a home might detract from potential residents or potential renters, but according to Mr. Mayberry, this actually increased the uh, the attempts to rent space in that house. Uh, the building um, soon had, was full of applications, even though 
It was not finished until October of the fall semester in the year that it opened, even though the classes began in September. During the renovation periods, Mr. Mayberry would bring his friends over to the house to see how things were going. Uh, Mr. Mayberry brought over a doctor friend. Um, I do not know if this doctor friend was an MD or a PhD professor at the university, uh, since obviously there are many PhDs living in Norman, especially near campus. So Mr. Mayberry brings his doctor friend over, and his doctor friend brings his dog. And when the dog would step onto the stairs to go into the basement, at this point, Mr. Mayberry is already very aware that the most aggressive spirits in the house live in the basement, the dog would not step any closer to the basement from the first step of the stairs and would immediately start whining and refuse to go, as dogs are great judges of character of people and they are also great judges of ghosts. Mr. Mayberry uh, would bring another friend who was a lawyer and a CPA. That's very cool because I am a lawyer, but I am not a CPA. Uh, so this guy was far more well-qualified and credentialed than yours truly. So Mr. Mayberry brings this lawyer over, and as he stepped into the basement, the lawyer commented immediately uh, about how he felt something very oppressive in the basement, to which Mr. Mayberry related the fact that he felt a plethora of cold spots on the second floor, as well as hearing doors slamming in the night on the third floor. I guess... This would imply that one of the men or both of these men were a medium. Um, I do not know much about the occult, so I'm not really going to comment on that, nor do I really believe that such things necessarily exist, but that is not my place to judge. The main events of our tale, however, concern not necessarily Mr. Mayberry in particularly, though he does play a large role in them, but a young man who was living at 700 Elm, who was living there and working for Mr. Mayberry in the house. Uh, the first night that that young man was staying, uh, he apparently was slammed up against the wall. And this student, he was a student when he was staying there, was having such a hard time that he went to the doctor's wife, uh, if you remember that doctor from earlier in the story, who had the dog who would not go downstairs. And the doctor's wife, I believe, was a, was a professor of English at the University of Oklahoma. And he told her about the harrowing experience that he was having at 700 Elm. That student was worried about getting fired because at the time, this was in the 1970s, and this was the beginning of large-scale American drug culture. So he was worried about uh, being taken as some sort of addict who was having hallucinations, so he would not tell anybody about it. Uh, later, um, it, as the, the activity began to escalate, where the student had the experience of being choked in his room by the entities that haunted the house until the student claimed that he called upon the holy name of Jesus uh, and the entities would then release him. The very next night after that experience, accordingly, that student was collecting things from his room with his girlfriend uh, in an attempt to move out of the house when they were standing at the head of the stairs between the first and second floor before they heard footsteps on the wood floors and the upper floors when the building was empty. Uh, apparently most of the house had carpet flooring, but in the upper parts during the renovation, uh, there, were, there was still wood, which means that you could clearly hear steps on that wood. And if you've ever heard footsteps on a wooden floor, you know exactly what that sounds like. And they heard these steps when there was nobody in the house except for them. And apparently... 
this young man was so frightened, which I do not blame him. I would be the same way that he ran all the way out the door and ran right past his girlfriend to leave her in the building. And uh, it does not say what happened in the story, but I imagine she left the building as well, and she was probably not very happy with him. Mr. Mayberry would say that he himself actually saw the rope burns on this young man's neck from when he thought he was being choked, uh, or the indentations in his skin that appeared to be rope burns. Later on, during a summer, Mr. Mayberry attempted to rent some of the rooms in that house to a group of Catholic nuns who were staying in Norman for the summer, and the nuns uh, didn't actually make it through the summer on account of all the activity that they were experiencing in the house. And later on, um, there was an exorcism that took place in this house, uh, which apparently was successful, and it was recounted in the Daily Oklahoman, which is the newspaper of record in Oklahoma City. And instead of summarizing this, I think I'm actually just going to go ahead and read what the Daily Oklahoman had to say. So the title of the article is Haunters Exercised in Norman? Question mark by Bob Bledsoe, published in the Oklahoman in 1973. And it begins... Halloween will be an anticlimax for us for this year for some of us, at least for one University of Oklahoma student whose house was haunted by ghosts. Hopefully the youth won't be bothered by spirits anymore. Psychic researcher and exorcist Charles Rhodes, director of the New Age Center in Oklahoma City, came to the student's aid. I'm going to stop the reading of the uh, of the newspaper article right there to add in some commentary. If you are dealing with any sort of uh, supernatural forces in your home or in your life, do not go to a New Age Center. Don't do that. Call up your local Catholic church and talk to them. Anyway, back to the story. Um, starting back in the third paragraph, he performed what some termed an exorcism in the house and drove the ghosts out. It all began September 16 when the student whom we shall call Jack, in parentheses not his real name, said he awoke at about 1am in his room and felt a choking sensation on his throat. I heard something like a gasp, then a voice said, no, then another gasp, Jack said. I was scared, I said, get out. Then I heard footsteps going away and it was all over, he said. Jack lives in a room of an old, large building near the OU campus that has been both a fraternity and sorority house in the past. Tuesday night, he said he returned to his house at 12.45 a.m. There was no electricity in the house until Thursday, so the building was dark. I left candles burning in my room, but when I got back, they were out. About halfway across the room, right about where I'm sitting now, he said, something grabbed me around my neck. It felt like a rope. It threw me to the floor, and all I could say was, Jesus, help me. When I said it, it let go and I jumped up and ran out. I spent the night at a friend's. Jack later returned to the room, he said, but only to lock up. As I was standing at the door, I heard distinct footsteps coming across the floor towards me. I grabbed the door and slammed it and locked it, quickly. Then I ran back downstairs and out of the house, he said. A friend of Jack's is also an acquaintance of Rhodes. She put them in touch and Rhodes agreed to come to Norman. Rhodes accompanied the three other men and myself, uh, excuse me, Rhodes, accompanied by three other men and myself, went to the house. Here's what happened next and what was said. First, we went to the basement, where four, four old gravestones were located. Jack said the stones, and two others which had been taken by the Norman police, were found in the basement closets. It appeared, he said, that they had been taken from some very old cemetery. The dates of the stones went all the way back to the 1890s. 
We then went to the third floor where the ghost hunt began. Rhodes asked Jack if he had noticed any cool spots in the building, places that were cooler than the surrounding space for no apparent reason. Locating such a spot on the floor, Rhodes went into a trance-like state. After several minutes of silence, he said, There are four entities on this floor. All males. One seems to be more active than the others, more willing to talk to me. He said the spirit told him that his name was Carl. The spirit said, Rhodes related, that he had taken up residence in the house about eight years ago. He said that he, nor the other three entities on the floor, had done any harm or intended to do so. I suggest we go to the second floor where these happenings occurred and try there, Rhodes said. Jack and the five others crowded into his room and Rhodes went into another trance. I see a little blonde-headed gal, he said. She says her name is Nadine. The last name, I think, is Bolding. She says she was killed in Norman in an auto accident in 1938, he said. She tells me this used to be her room. She resents anyone intruding. I asked her if there were any more entities here. She said there were many of us in the bedroom, or excuse me, in the basement, Rhodes said. She said Fred helps her scare people when she doesn't want them in, in this room. I told her that she has to leave and that I'm going to make her go. She said, if you do, I'll tear your heart out, Rhodes said. Now, she is talking about the others in the basement. She says there is one mean one down there. She says he belongs in a mental hospital, Rhodes announced. I told her again she will have to leave. She said, wait until dark and we'll go and get help. I think, he said, that we had better go ahead and invite them to leave before it gets dark. Rhodes then sat silently for several minutes before opening his eyes and standing and stretching. What do we do? asked Jack. Rhodes then asked us to join hands and to concentrate on a prayer which he recited, calling on God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit to fill this house with light. He prayed also for the entities to be removed from the earth and carried to heaven. Afterwards, Rhodes told Jack that to make that he was sure that the other entities were gone, and not to let his mind dwell on them at length. Thus concluding the Oklahoman article on the haunting at 700 Elm Avenue. Subsequently, this house would be torn down and turned into a parking lot before eventually becoming Zero Hall at the University of Oklahoma. So that is the story of the haunting at 700 Elm Avenue. And now we're going to transition into a much older structure, which still exists, which is the Griffin Memorial Hospital, which is also in Norman. So Griffin Memorial Hospital, even though it wasn't called Griffin Memorial Hospital at the time, opened in 1895 and was the first uh, inpatient mental health treatment facility in the state of Oklahoma. One of the original names for the hospital was the Norman Institute for the Violently Mentally Insane. So that was, uh, that's, uh, that's a name. But in 1899, that name did not last for long because a gentleman by the name of Dr. D.W. Griffin showed up in, to become one of the psychiatrists at the hospital, and he went and removed the name uh, to be more fair and uh, equanimitable to the patients inside. For the next 18 to 19 years until 1918, the hospital grew in that by 1918, there were something like 1,000 patients inside. 
if you've ever seen photographs or, or just have a general understanding of the size of the building, you will know that that is way too many people to be housing in the facilities available. But it was in the year 1918 at 3.45 in the morning that the night watchman of the hospital started to sell smoke in a linen room and realized that the place was on fire. Immediately, the staff and faculty at the hospital uh, sought to fight the fire. Um, at this time, there were no, I believe, I'm not sure what the organized fire brigades were like, uh, especially in Norman, Oklahoma at the time, but from what I've read and listened to, it sounds like they were largely handling this themselves. But one of the problems is that even after mobilizing all the, uh, all the staff at the hospital, a lot of the patients in the hospital were not really in a position to be coaxed out of the hospital uh, into safety. And unfortunately, a lot of patients ended up running back into the flames or being unable to be saved. And by the end, three buildings had been, down, uh, had been burned down and 40 patients died. And it was this event that led to the rumors of hauntings at the Griffin Memorial Hospital. That coupled with uh, all the, of course, um, 20th century uh, psychiatric treatments and experiments that we now look back as uh, inhumane and barbaric, which, of course, were all practiced there, um, just because they were practiced at every psychiatric facility. The great legacy of this fire actually is at the International Order of Oddfellows uh, Cemetery in Norman, where there was a mass grave of the victims of the fire buried. And what's even worse is that mass grave was lost for a long time. But uh, in the last 10 years, it was found. And at that cemetery, there is now a plaque uh, above the mass grave where the names of the victims are listed. Um, the Griffin Memorial Hospital still functions. Um, it's not, I believe that at one time there were tours. I do not know if there are any more. I know that it is functioning government property. I would not recommend going and sneaking onto it, but from what I've heard and what I've read, it does have a bit of a haunting aura at least, and people say that they have seen ghosts there. And it is a nice compliment, I think, to 700 Elm. And with that, I think that's a good introduction to spooky season. Uh, I hope everybody's enjoyed these ghost stories and legends in Oklahoma. As always, I really like to get people's takes on these. So if you have any recommendations for what to do, um, I'm still taking them for next week. So feel free to reach out to me. I know that most of the people that listen to this podcast do know me personally, so you know how to get in touch. Uh, others can feel free to email me at chautauquareview at gmail.com. And with that, I will see you next week for more ghost stories. And I'm Will Milam, and this is the America of America podcast. And thank you so much for listening.